You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. The 757 is steeped in high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give local sports the spotlight it deserves every single night. It's the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, ESPN Radio 94.1. I'm Tim Donnelly, Robbie Vogler, keeping us up and running. Start the show with some thank yous. Last week, we were all over the 757. We were at Old Dominion Basketball when they hosted Coastal Carolina. Uh, we were in the scope for the the Friday game between the, the Norfolk Admirals, who were branded as the Suffolk Admirals for the weekend, and in uh, the Maine Mariners. So uh, we've been around. We've interacted with many of you. I've had a few people reach out on Twitter, uh, which, by the way, follow us at ESPN Radio 941. <laughs> You can follow me at Donnelly Sports, saying they they saw us or they they you know saw us that we were there afterwards and they wanted to say hi. Uh, we'll keep you updated next time we're out and about, but but we love seeing everybody out there. So thank you to everybody that came out. Thank you to both ODU and the the Norfolk Admirals for hosting. And uh, tonight, like going on almost right now, is that ECHL All Star game that that we were talking about um, on Friday with the the Norfolk Admirals. So. Uh, Really exciting weekend for sports in the 757. February 2nd, if you want to mark their calendars, February 2nd will be at the Chartway Arena again. ODU men's face-off against JMU. So a big game in conference, obviously, with that rivalry going on. So uh, February 2nd, we will be at the Chartway Arena once again. Plenty of uh, notice there. So if we missed you, there's there's no excuse next time. Um, speaking of ODU men's basketball, there is always a difference, and, and like I said, thank you. They, they hooked us up with some pretty good seats. We were sitting right there courtside under the bucket, and uh, there is always a difference between watching something on, on a stream, listening to it on the radio, or wa- watching the stat updates on your phone, and, and catching it live. And one thing I was excited to see was, was the whole toughness thing, right? And we talked with, with head coach Jeff Jones. We talked with Ted Alexander uh, before the game, and, and you know, the toughness thing is is become a narrative with the the ODU Monarchs men's basketball team, and it was funny because watching the game and and Robbie and I were sitting next to each other, we were chatting. Um, I actually said at one point in time, "Oh wait, they're not missing toughness; they're missing shooting," and that's what stuck out to me. So now I have a new thing to track, right? Because that's how that's how my brain works and that's how uh, this business works, right? Right? You can't just come out and talk about something because you saw it once, right? You can't... Uh, Tom Brady uh, lost a Super Bowl. You saw it once. Let's go ahead and talk about... It. No, no, that's not how it works. You have to go research it. And so I started looking and what I found isn't that they, they lack shooting because watching them against Coastal, the thing that jumped out was... Man, if they could just hit a couple of these corner threes, the Coastal would have to change up everything that they're doing, right? They had a big guy, that uh, Mostafa, that they didn't ask to, to do much on the perimeter. Uh, they didn't ask him to, to guard ball screens that often. And I was like, man, if they could just knock down a couple of these corner threes, it would change everything. Because at first they were taking them and they weren't making them. And then it got to the point where a couple players on ODU would be open in, in, in the corner, catch it, triple threat pass catch it triple threat driving kick and they weren't even really entertaining the thought of, of going up with these jumpers 
So I'm like, all right, let's see if that's a, a thing, right? And I've, I've, I've stumbled upon an aspect of this season for ODU that I was undervaluing. I've talked about it often that they have seven new players, two new assistant coaches, and they have to get to know each other, which is true, right? The coach has to know what buttons to push. The players have to know what situations their their teammates like the ball or or how they like to be spoken to in games. Like all of the little things they have to figure out. And we've been tracking that. And and I think that is that is honest. But also what I what I kind of the bigger picture is what I've been ignoring, which is the team also has to find out what the team is. Right? So so against Coastal, I was like, man, they need to knock down more more threes. And I went and checked and they went five of 27. That's 18 and a half percent. And I was like, whoa, that's not great. So then their next game was against Marshall. It was over the weekend. That was Friday. So Friday, Sunday, I assume. Uh, and I'm like, all right, let me go see if they, they shot better. They only took 10 threes. They shot 50%. They went five of 10, but they only took 10 threes. So a, it's never great if you're making the same amount of threes if you took 27 or if you took 10. They went 5 of 27, followed that up with 5 of 10. Now, obviously they shot it better and all those sorts of things, but I look at that and I go, oh, this team has no clue what their identity is. Taking 17 less threes two days after a game, they're still figuring out who they are. That is a team that that is... They're not sure quite yet, or they're letting the, the opposing team maybe dictate to them, or the, the coaches change something and they're, they're giving this a try. There's, there's a lot of different ways to get there. But what I know is teams with identities don't flip-flop that aggressively, right? If you have uh, the next coming of Joel Embiid down on the block and you have one game where you, you have, I don't know, 25 post-ups, the next game you don't have five right? You don't flip-flop that aggressively in anything if you are convicted in what you are. Same is true with teams that shoot a bunch of threes, right? What I mean, there is a whole, a whole term made for it. Shooter, shoot, right? Shooters keep shooting. Shooter, shoot. So if you are a shooter, I don't care if you have a rough game where you're not shooting it well. If you're a shooter, the next game you show up, you keep shooting, Right? A shooter always thinks the next shot is the one that's going to start the streak and they're not going to miss the rest of the day. Shooters shoot. So ODU in back-to-back games, they scored, by the way, 66 and 65 points, both in losses. So it's not like, you know, one game they, they scored 80, one game they scored 50. They scored within a point of each other, taking 17 less threes. And watching the way they played, they had some drive, some 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 drive guys. So you need to have shoot, shooters surrounding them. So again, like I said, you can't just throw things out there and go, "Well, this is what I saw in one game." So this is I'm making hard and fast rules about them. So I looked at their season long statistics to see if it backed it up. They've got some guys that can knock down threes. Chauncey Jenkins is shooting forty one percent. Makai Long is sh- shooting just over forty two percent. Off the bench, they have Charles Smith, who, who's only played in 10 games, but 41%. Steins played a bunch against uh, Marshall. He knocked down a couple threes. He's shooting 35%. So I'm looking at this thinking, 
okay, we know who the shooters are on the team because there's a couple guys that are shooting not great as far as uh, percentages. So you know who the shooters are. Now it's about can you get them the shots that you need to knock down? Because, again, like I said, watching the game, and I said this to Robbie, so it's not like I'm, I'm making this up after the fact. They needed to hit a corner three. The problem was the guys that they trusted to knock down the corner threes were never the guys catching it in the corner. So it's it's that full team identity thing that I'm talking about. Part of it is knowing which player wants to be where. Part of it is knowing this is what we do. And it doesn't matter who we play. It doesn't matter what the, the tempo is. These are the things that we are going to latch on to. You know, it's it's much easier to describe in the NFL because, right, you, you huddle up and call a play. It There has to be an element of, like, what is our bell cow running back, right? If you have a bell cow running back, you're like, okay, whether we have 60 plays or it's an up-tempo game and we have 80 plays, our running back's getting 20-plus carries, right? Doesn't If we have 40 other plays to do other things or 60 other plays to do other things, our bell cow back is getting 20-plus carries. I'm talking like we're in 07 now, 2007. I need to know what ODU's bell cow running back is. I don't care if it's an up-and-down game. I don't care if it's if it's a slow-it-down game. I don't care if the other team is pressing. I don't care if they're playing zone. What is the thing that you do? If it's shoot, guess what? I don't care if you're shooting 18% like you were against Coastal. Keep shooting because that's your, your running back. I don't care if, if, and if it's not shoot, that's fine. Don't do it. Then you should never have 27 attempts, like those sorts of things. Just what do you do? That's what I think is the next step for this team. And, and when this is like the universal you. I think part of their their struggles, part of their early season growing pains is individually they're looking at each other going, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Because they haven't played together. They need to figure it out. As those things start happening and they start realizing, all right, you're a rebounder. All right, you like defense. All right, you, you like to run. As they get to know each other, then they need to sit down and go, okay, what do we do? What's our, our thing? Everybody needs a thing, right? There's jokes about that, right? Like you need it. Like even in the office, you need a thing. All right, you're the fantasy football guy. You're the you're the bring donuts guy. Like what is your thing? What does ODU do? That's what I need to answer next, and I'm going to work on trying to figure it out. Seven five seven at six, right here on ESPN Radio ninety four point one. As ODU tries to figure that out, I'm also going to try to figure out what's going on with Norfolk State basketball because there's some things coming out of that program that you just don't see that often. I'll tell you what coming up next. Putting a spotlight on local high school and college coaches and athletes. It's the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1. 757 at 6 ESPN Radio 94.1. Howard and Norfolk State played on Saturday. Men's basketball. Rivalry. Two of the better teams in the MEAC. Maybe two of the two, the two best teams in the MEAC. Came down to the wire. Now I'm going to give you just the the nuts and bolts background of it, and then we're going to get into some things that I have not seen. I, I was racking my brain during the commercial break. I don't think I've ever seen in college basketball what I'm about to describe. So what happened is uh, 
Joe Bryant Jr., player of the year in the MAC, really good player, drives to tie up the game, makes a layup with 1.2 seconds left on the clock, uh, ties the game, and, and Norfolk State's bench leaves the bench to celebrate. Now, they don't go onto the court. They go down the baseline. Referee, whistle, tech, two free throws for Howard. They make both. Howard wins 86-84. That's the nuts and bolts of it, right? That's the, uh, like, as objectively as I can say what happened. Now, here's the part that I don't think I have ever seen. Uh, And it's partially because the person also thinks it's something they've never seen. Robert Jones, Norfolk State basketball coach, who we've had on the show. Uh, he was um, a, a with the basketball tournament coach. He, he's in the mix with basketball across the country. Uh, tweeted this out, and it's still up, by the way. So no deleting, standing by his words. From Norfolk State basketball coach Robert Jones. In my 22 years of coaching, I will have never said the officials decided a game. But if you live long enough, you will experience everything. It happened tonight. If you were at the game or watched, you know what I'm talking about. Note taken. That's that's putting it as bluntly as I've seen a coach put it. But I, I also thought it was funny. He uh, He wasn't afraid to mix it up in the comments. Somebody responded, totally agree. The official should never be the decider of the outcome. Tonight that happened, but we are still NSU. Coach Jones responded. Then the head assigner, when I confronted him about those calls, literally, now this is in all caps, laughed in my face, closed caps, like that was professional, at MEAC Sports. Ooh. Ooh. Now we're getting a little feisty. Somebody basically said, your bench is the reason you put the refs in a position to make that call. No storm in the court. Go on, go on. But the 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 person finished it with funny how you don't mention giving up a twenty point lead. Coach Jones had time today. Uh, he tweets back, "Good first win in the last ten attempts." Which I'm assuming he's coming at Howard for not beating Norfolk State that often. So it's good first win in the last ten attempts. Hats off to the Bison. They played solid, but it has nothing to do with them. If you're being objective and watch and or coach or play college basketball, a call like that never happened, all caps, anywhere in the country. Close caps, enjoy the win. So my, my point is, I've never heard a coach go at refs like that. I've never heard a coach go at refs like that. Now, part of it is because Coach Jones is a hooper. And it, you can tell he feels like what some of the unwritten rules of of basketball have been crossed, and also he he takes that that rivalry seriously, so he's passionate about it. Now the interesting, it gets like the web keeps getting woven more deeply. Uh, David Hall, Virginian pilot, uh, puts the video out there and says, "For those asking, here's the video and some of the celebration." Rob Doster who is a covers college basketball founder of the field of 68 and the field of 12 um, retweets out the video and says, what do you guys think about that call? Good or bad. And many people are saying, well, it's the right call. You can't run onto the court. It's the right call. You can't run onto the court. It's the right call. You can't run onto the court. Robert Jones, head coach NSU jumps in the replies. 
Better angle, Rob. And he, there's a video here. Better angle, Rob. No one ran on the court. They went to the baseline where he was fouled at. No one ran onto the middle of the court. And he has a he has a view that does show that. Nobody went onto the white line, like crossed the white lines into the, the basketball court. They ran down under the bucket, which is where he got fouled. And this is where I think there's an argument. Because... In many other situations in a basketball game, players do tend to run down the baseline. Player falls down, they'll run over there, help them up. Uh, player runs down. Like there's, is if you're not on the court, I think there's room for the ref to say, play on. You can even yell at him, back to your bench. But I think there's room for the ref to swallow your whistle on that one. Now, if the players had run onto the court, I'm talking about they're like mixing it up with players that are actively in the game. Okay, now, now you've kind of forced their hand. They have to they have to tee up on that one. Still time on the clock, those sorts of things. But when they go baseline, I'm talking not on the court baseline. I mean, I half would have told them, keep going to the bathroom. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going to the bathroom. My point is, and I actually think if you asked Howard fans and Howard players, no one wants to win that way, right? Give them a warning. Right. Tell them to, 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 nobody wants a game like that between the two best teams in the conference that are going back and forth, heated battle, heated rivalry, great plays on both sides. No one wants the game to end on on ticky tack technical foul free throws. So if there is an out where you can in good conscious in good standing as a referee, not blow your whistle on the tech, I think you're almost looking for those reasons. And as soon as you realize they never stepped foot onto the court, I think you you go ahead and you say, no harm, no foul. 1.2 seconds, Howard, do what you can with it. The game was still tied, by the way, correct? Because the two free throws made it 86-84, so the, the game was still tied. So it's not like you were giving the game to to either team there if you just let it play out. It, it's so so my reaction and and really the the my reaction is to coach jones's reaction my reaction to to coach robert jones reaction and and his very public admonishing of the referees is two-pronged one is never seen a ref go back and change a call i don't i don't think the miak was going to hit you up and say actually we're going to replay the last 1.2 seconds of the game like there's there's little to gain there and Assuming those referees, you know, are either still going to be Mac referees and or have friends in refereeing, you probably haven't made yourself the the favorite of any of them. And and my other side is, as a player, what else could you want but your coach to go to bat for you like that? I mean, I'm sure there's going to be admonishing from the higher ups. I'm sure there's maybe a MEAC penalty coming in or, or heck, I don't know, a fine or something. I, I, don't, I don't know what the punishment will be, but I assume that everyone's not going to look at those tweets from, from Coach Jones and go, oh, you're good. Never mind. Right. The, I, the, the, you know, the lesson a lot of people have to learn is complaining about good calls can get you or bad calls can get you fine too. Like just being right doesn't ex- excuse you from, Whatever the the powers that be want to want to make a uh, make a message out of. So they're, they're like as a player, 
all you want is a coach that is is caring and passionate about making sure that your opportunities are protected, that you're not being taken advantage of, that it's fair, and that every time you step out there, you have a chance to win a ball game. So I like I think you know when he walked into that locker room, even after the loss, I'm sure, or when he walks into the next practice after the players see uh, you know the the efforts he went through to make sure everybody knew that he didn't like the way that game ended, I bet you the players gave him a nice little. Nice little bro hug, a little dap up. We got you, coach. So it's it's a tale of two, two, like I've got an angel and a devil on my shoulders right now. The devil, or I don't know which one is saying which. One of them is saying, as a coach, you can't do this. You're opening yourself up to, to negative relationships with referees, and you're going to be punished, and it's not going to change the outcome. But the other side is saying, I love it, coach. You got to do what you got to do. You got to get your feelings out there. Either way, what I would I what I would also add, I would not want to be Coppin State. Because Coppin State is who Norfolk State plays next. <laughs> and it's not till next Saturday. So they have a full week to stew. They have a full week to get more and more angry at the referees, more and more angry at themselves for blowing the lead, more and more angry at the situation, and they're going to take out that uh, that aggression on somebody. So I would not, I would not want to be Coppin State on uh, January twenty first. That's that's where I'll leave this one. A lot of talk about Twitter during that segment. If you are on Twitter, go ahead and follow us at ESPN Radio nine four one. You can follow me as well at Donnelly Sports. That's D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y-S-P-O-R-T-S. More of the 757 at 6 coming up. Every weeknight, giving you all you need to know about high school and college sports in the 757. It's the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, ESPN Radio 94.1 on a Monday. It is, matter of fact, it's not just a Monday. It is 637 Monday, January 16th. Why has Dre Bly not been given a job yet? Seriously. It's now 6.37 and 30 seconds, January 16th. Why has Dre Bly not been given a job since the last time I asked why he hasn't been given a job? For those of you that that weren't listening to the show last week when we talked about it, Dre Bly was a, a assistant for North Carolina, UNC. He was a corners coach, I believe, secondaries coach. He is also, and I don't say this lightly, one of the best recruiters in the world. And in college football, that matters. That matters. And he recruits this area extremely well, which is why I'm fascinated for the 757's future where he ends up. Because there's no doubt in my mind, wherever he ends up will suddenly be a a very attractive location for talented youngsters in the area to go play their college football just like North Carolina was for the past few years but uh, so anyway I was looking for hints okay I'm like I I want to know where he's going so I went to his Twitter I was looking at things he liked I was looking at you know people that were new to following him all those sorts of things didn't learn much but I did I did start liking Dre Bly more right because right up until it was you know the 12th is essentially when the news broke but my guess is things weren't going like you know anyone that's ever been mutually parted ways with from a job knows that the last couple of days you know a little bit of paranoia maybe writing on the wall maybe you knew it and you just were waiting to announce it 
But right up till the end, he is still riding for Sam Howell. He got a Sam Howell jersey, talking about how his, his buddy's getting his first start. Like, that is a defensive coach that is obviously building off of some relationship he had with an offensive player. Not many people can pull off that feat, right? Some coaches are exhausted just keeping up the, the relationships with the guys in their own position. Some guys aren't even good at that. He has relationships with everyone. The more and more I go through this situation, the more and more I wonder where he should land, the more and more I'm I'm going to be furious at any team that doesn't sign him. Like, if if Virginia Tech doesn't sign him, I'm going to be like, you can't complain when you don't get players on the 757. If UVA doesn't sign him, same deal. Like, it's right there. I'm telling you, if you want to, to get some of the biggest and best recruits from this area – that's how you do it. That's how you do it. It is 640 Monday, January 16th. Why doesn't Dre Bly have a job yet? And if he's being picky, make him an offer he can't refuse. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? You gotta make him an offer he can't refuse. All right. Also, I want to point something out, and this is just good news, right? Uh, Josh Sweat, another player that we've been tracking. Uh, he is an Oscar Smith uh, product, Chesapeake, all those sorts of things. Went to Florida State, fourth-round draft pick, getting it done with the Eagles. Scary moment last uh, two week, two weekends ago. Had to be uh, backboarded, kind of you know stretchered off, which obviously with everything that's going on in the NFL recently, anytime you start talking about uh, neck injuries or anything like that, you get very, very tense. Um, so during week 18, their final game, he had a scary neck injury, uh, which really put a halt not only on his tremendous play over the last two months, but also, you know, you start worrying just for the the person, the human, the dude. And uh, I've got some good news. The Eagles coach Nick Sirianni said he's hopeful that Josh Sweat will play in the playoffs. Those are Those are the ones that truly blow my mind. When somebody gets stretchered off and then – Couple days later, they're like, "Yeah, hopefully he's back playing." I'm like, "Oh my goodness, what? Like, how in the world did that happen?" You know, when when the Demar Hamlin situation took took place, I was brought back. I had a, a college teammate that uh, was hit, wasn't moving on the field, very scary. Uh, I was a wide receiver, and he's he was a thinner guy, so it was it was super scary. Uh, played in our next game, he was taken off in an ambulance. Played, I think we may have had a buy. So played like 13 days later. Like those things absolutely blow my mind. But also, you know, when when you start having the conversations on when you can play, th- those are big sighs of relief from from the outside, from us just looking on because it's like, oh, if you're talking about playing, then, you know, the serious neck residuals that, that'll, you know, affect your quality of life and things must be, those conversations must have ended before they got to us, which is which is best possible news, right? So, you know, if, if we're sitting here worried about, oh, can Josh Sweat be an a, effective edge rusher against Danny Jones because he's showing a little bit of mobility now, so you might not be able to pin your ears back as well. So just having that conversation is great news. Uh, it's also we're going to have to have that conversation, uh, but just the fact that that is a conversation that we feel comfortable having is is a really exciting deal, right? 
you know, a lot of times when you have serious neck injuries or you have scary neck injuries and you're, you're carted off, backboarded off, stretchered off, those conversations, like if you start having them, you're the jerk in the room, right? You start saying like, well, is he going to play again? You're like, all of a sudden someone's looking at you, calling you insensitive. So the fact that those conversations are happening and no one's calling us insensitive, no one's calling Nick Sirianni insensitive is, is good news for, for Josh Sweat, the person, which is obviously the first priority, not just because he's from the 757, but because you should care about all the players that you're watching entertain you on, on Sundays in the fall all the way up into now Saturdays, Sundays, and Mondays in the in the winter. They're trying to dominate the, the schedule a bit more, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, so so good on Josh. Hopefully we see him again. And if he's not ready to play, but like this is, again, you can't say it out loud, but it is a thing. Like if Josh Sweat isn't ready to play for this week, the rest of the D-line does kind of, they know like, you mean if we get back next week, Josh is going to be able to play in the playoffs? All right, let's go. Let's let's play. Let's make sure we're playing next week for Josh. Again, it's one of those weird things that feels insignificant when that is going on, but it does happen. So, hopefully the 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 opportunity for him to impact the playoffs happens uh whenever he he is ready. It's going to do it for us here or do it for me here on the 757 at 6. Robbie's going to close out the show with Robbie's roundout as always. Uh so enjoy your night. We'll be back tomorrow for the the Tim Donnelly show at 3. Until then, enjoy Robbie's roundout and I'll talk to you later. The clock is running out on the 757 at 6. That means it's time for Robbie's Roundup. Or wait a minute. It's Robbie's Roundabout or Robbie's Roundout. Whatever he's calling it today, here's Robbie Vogler on ESPN Radio 94.1. Oh, yeah. You know what it is? It is Robbie's Roundout on the 757 at 6. You know how this goes. Every time we have a full show, it's always appropriate to round it out with Robbie's Roundout. We talk about high school sports, college sports, whatever is happening in the 757, and we want to hear from you. Not only do I want to hear from you about Robbie's Roundup, but we want to hear from you about the 757 at 6 or the Tim Donnelly Show. If you have thoughts, opinions, questions, comments, Pitbull Tobacco and More text line is always open at 757-687-9494. Even when I sign off at 7 o'clock, the Pitbull Tobacco and More text line is always open. And I'll tell you this, I had this moment over the weekend. I had this moment where I was watching football I was at some family's house. I was kind of, I was monitoring everything that was happening. There was a moment when I was afraid that the ODU women's basketball team would let me down. There was a time, there was a, there was a moment where I thought, man, I'm going to have to open up the airwaves during Robbie's round out on Monday and apologize and say, I was wrong. Now, when it comes to sports, I'm wrong all the time. I've got, I've got bad takes. I've got good takes. But I'll tell you this. I was impressed with what I saw in the fourth quarter with ODU. You look at the stat line and, of course, ODU men's 
uh, lost over the weekend. The women, 63-56 to victors over Marshall. Their fourth straight Sunbelt Conference win. Their fourth straight win in a row after those two losses to James Madison and App State. You look at the at the at the box score, and, and I, I love to look at the box do- score because sometimes that that gives you the whole complete picture. But sometimes you look at it and you're like, "Man, how the heck did that game turn out the way it turned out?" I'll tell you. ODU shot thirty eight point three percent from the field. Marshall shot forty percent advantage. Marshall. Three point or three point field goal percentage. Marshall twenty five percent. ODU twenty three point one percent advantage. Marshall free throw shooting almost seventy percent for Marshall fifty eight for ODU advantage. Marshall rebounding. Marshall forty. ODU thirty seven advantage. Marshall final score. ODU sixty three. Marshall fifty six. So I'm thinking. I'm like, how in the world? How in the world did ODU pull off a victory against Marshall after losing in all those head-to-head categories? And I'll tell you this, I had to keep going. I had to keep reading the box score, and this is the, the stat that I love coming to. Because not only do I love it, but I know for a fact that Coach Delisha Milton-Jones loves this number. These next two numbers. Turnovers. Marshall, 18. ODU, 6. Steals. Marshall, 3. ODU, 10. I'll tell you this right now. 18 turnovers to Marshall's, or ODU, 6. Advantage. Big time Monarchs. And I think that's what it came down to. We look at these games all the time and we're like, okay, what is the deciding factor in this game one way or another? We talk about shooting all the time. We talk about out rebounding somebody all the time. We talk about the free throws, make sure they are there all the time. And you could say that about this, this, this team, you could say that about this game. You could say, yes. They should have shot better. They should have shot the three-point better. They should have shot a lot better from the free-throw line. They should have out-rebounded them. But you know what? They they, they didn't let any of those stats come in between them and the way they played defensively. 18 turnovers. Unbelievable. And this is something that I think ODU, their women's program, has pride themselves on. Since I've been following this team, especially since Delisha Milton Jones became the head coach, they pride themselves in defense. And I understand it may be a boring style of basketball. It may not be the most exciting thing putting up, you know, 80, 90 points every night. That That's exciting. Maybe ODU doesn't play the most exciting brand of basketball. But I'll tell you this. They play a gritty style of basketball. It is what I love to see when you when I see that they are dominating on the defensive end of things by causing 18 turnovers and only giving up 6 turnovers. 
10 steals to Marshall's three steals. I mean, those are the stats that you may not look on paper and they may not be the most flashy, but those are the game changers. This was a team that was down by two going into the final quarter of the game. And not only did they not make it a factor, they turned up the volume just a little bit and not outshot and outscored Marshall 16-7 to in the fourth quarter. Giving up seven points in a, in a, in a quarter is unbelievable. And ODU did it. It, it. it constantly reminds me of why I love watching this team. They may not have the most flashy athletes on their team. They may not have somebody that can make all the shots in the world. But they are going to give you 110% effort. And I know for a fact, because we've had her on, I've heard her in post-game press conferences, I've heard her in post-game interviews, talking about how important the, the defensive battle is. Head coach Delisha Milton-Jones, ever since she came to ODU, ever since she started this program, coaching this program, defense has always been a, a huge, huge emphasis she doesn't care about all, all the, the percentages of how many times they score, how many free throws they miss. Obviously, those are important parts to the game. She cares about the defensive side of the ball. And I love seeing what they have done in these last four games. They have dominated the defensive side of the ball. They have made plays when they need to make them. And the, the playmakers have stepped up. Amari Young, 17 points. Kay Clark, 16 points. The other night when they needed it the most, last Thursday, Jordan McLaughlin, the go-ahead layup in overtime. Now you look at you look ahead. This, these, this is when your schedule kind of gets right in the, the nitty-gritty of the Sun Belt. They got a game against the Raging Cajuns down in Louisiana. They got a game against Georgia State and then Texas State. Three games where, on paper, Texas State may be the the toughest game out of those three. Georgia State, not the the best, but also not the worst. Louisiana, 3-3 in conference play. 9-9 on the season. ODU needs to carry this momentum, and we've been saying it since before and since right after the holiday break. If they can get in on a run and learn how to win on the road, the sky is the limit. And I can't wait to see this team continue their run against the Raging Cajuns, continue their run against Georgia State, and of course, against Texas State before they come back home against Coastal Carolina. It's going to be a lot of fun. They got two games on the road. They come back home for Texas State and Coastal. And, man, it is going to be fire. That's going to wrap things up for the 757-6 on a Monday. Monday Night Football, the playoffs. Super Wild Card Weekend comes to a close. You'll be hearing all of that and more right here starting at 7.30. So keep your dials locked right here to ESPN Radio 94.1. Tim and I will be back tomorrow for the Tim Donnelly show. And then, of course, another full edition of the 757 at 6. Until then, for Tim Donnelly, I'm Robbie Vogler saying so long. Have a great night. Later.